guys. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Yep. All very good. Very good, James. Nice to see Good to see you too. So we've been chatting about this for a while, me and you, John, about doing a doing a podcast, and I'm really excited to have you guys on. So before we kick off the podcast, can you both tell me how do we get hold of you? How do we follow you on social media, for example? James, do you want to kick off? Yeah, sure. Yeah, quite active on Instagram. So my Instagram is James Hughes Property. Um, yeah, that's the main one. I get quite mixed reviews from my Instagram, but that's the main one. Yeah, getting hold of me, James Hughes Property on Instagram. And what about you, John? Yeah, so similar, Villain Agent, underscore the un- underscore the agent. So, um, and also LinkedIn. I, I've got quite a big following there. And um, yeah, a lot of people really engaged in the content that we put out there as well. But obviously, and the standard form is through WhatsApp and, uh, and email. And I am, I am JG underscore EXP. So we thought the best way to start the podcast was to be getting to know us all, find out a bit about our backgrounds, how we got into real estate, what's made us successful. Then every week we're going to plan our podcast and diving a bit deeper into different topics, get some other experts in on the podcast and see how we can improve our own real estate businesses and also how we can help others improve theirs. Now, the first thing you might realize is I will probably say quite a lot of Americanisms like real estate, which you guys are going to teach me all the different words. It's so weird. I spent five years living in California. And when I went there, I got every single word wrong. Uh, For example, they don't call a skirting board a skirting board. They call it like a baseboard. And it took me quite a long time to get used to the terminology. I've now come back to the UK and now I'm getting every word wrong. So when I say something wrong, boys, let me know. First of all, am I allowed to say the word real estate? Do you know what you can? I think there's more Americanisms coming into, especially in the kind of self-employed world, self-employed broker world, um, to use an American term again. So I think it's becoming more familiar um and it's certainly i think something that i tend to use being part of american brokerage so to speak with the xp it's something which has come into my vernacular a lot more but yeah it's uh it's something which across the country probably a little bit less um less well known but um yeah real estate's fine absolutely fine cool so i'm going to just quickly chat about myself and then we will learn more about john and james so I got into real estate, oh, I was about six or seven years ago. I moved to California, spent five years there, had an amazing time. And when I went there, I didn't have a clue what I was going to do business-wise. I knew I wanted to do something a bit different. And there, real estate is probably a bit more exciting than it is here. Um, you see all the property shows like Selling Sunset and Million Dollar Mansion and a million, property, a million Dollar Property Listing, whatever it's called. And it's quite a fun business to be in and one of the big things is is they get a lot more commission there and I moved to California there were massive great big homes being sold on the beach and I was like this seems quite a fun thing to do so really my job was just to go to beautiful homes and, and and try and sell them and it was a really fun experience getting into real estate there we moved back recently and I've just started doing real estate here. So part of this podcast is actually going to be following my journey. And, and John and James are going to help educate me on how to sell real estate in this country. We're going to dive into a bit deeper about my experience and, and John and James's experience. But John, first of all, obviously, we've got a background. We've known each other for quite a while, went to school together. How did you get into real estate? Yeah, so for me, it was um, very, well, a long time ago now, 18 years ago. So I um, left university with a a zoology degree of all things um i work with a lot of animals now but in a different way um but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but no it's um it's something which you know it, it was a vocational thing i did and we were kind of thinking well you know what what do you do and 
Um, and I, I sort of floundered around for a little while and came across, obviously, Foxton's, which was a, a big agency in London. I was living in Manchester at the time, so I'd gone up to stay with a friend and you, know, you saw you got a car with it. And I thought, hang on a minute, if you're going to sell something and make commission, you might as well you know, be dealing with the most expensive product out there, um, which which is this property or real estate, as you call it. Um, so ended up starting my career there as a young, fresh-faced 22-year-old lad um, and was there for 10 years and went through the ranks. Um, and back then, it was, you know, it was it was a kind of work hard, play hard environment. It was a bit of a boot camp, but, you know, you learn all of the sort of, let's say business, not business, sorry, more, more of like sales acumen. You, you, you learn the, the ethic, work ethic, the ability to be able to be tenacious in, in your follow up and, and all of the sort of base skills um, were taught there. And, you know, and spending 12 hours a day minimum every single day, pretty much Monday to Saturday in that environment for 10 years, it, you kind of, you come out of it with a really solid grounding. And of course, there's a lot of sort of sharp edges there that need to get rounded. And I went through various different other companies, ended up leaving a very well-known company called Douglas and Gordon. I was one of their social directors to look after the, the Southwest region. Um, but I'd always dreamt about starting my own business. And um, that opportunity came along through partnering with EXP, which we'll learn about um, in future podcasts, so you may know a little bit about it. But that gave me the tools and the ability to start my business. And that was back in 2021. Um, and now we're two and a half years in and going very strong. Cool. And obviously you introduced James to myself. So James, tell us about your real estate background. Yeah, I guess similar story to John really. So I studied Hispanic studies at university, one of those courses that I never have actually used. Um, applied to Foxton's back in 2010. Uh, yeah, like the kind of Foxton's really didn't, didn't know what I was applying for. Um, but very grateful of my kind of box and schooling. Six years working in Battersea, worked my way up, number one negotiator, very proud of that back in the day. Uh, then went to manage the Ballin branch, so very familiar with Southwest London. Uh, Foxons was a great schooling, but I wanted to, I guess, develop personally and learn more about real estate. Um, I then joined CBRE, so CBRE, the world's biggest real, uh, commercial real estate company. Uh, they opened the residential team probably about seven to ten years ago. Um, so I came on board as the branch manager based in Battersea. Um, so initially started with lettings. I spoke to my boss and hey boss, can we also do sales? Um, yes, yeah, so I started doing lettings and sales at CBRE. Uh, that was until 2019. Um, I actually left real estate for a bit uh, and then a personal change. And then two years ago, I reached out to John. John was at this EXP brokerage. Wasn't, wasn't quite sure what that was. He, he introduced me to, to EXP and I'm now going into my third year. So yeah, been a bit of a learning curve, uh, but now getting to my third year as a partner of um, EXP. Awesome. So let's dive a bit more into how we were successful and how we've got to where we've got to. So I'll chat about my story first of all. When when I started real estate in the US, I didn't know anyone. I hadn't done real estate before. And for me, it was I had a business background and I wanted to use a lot of my business background into what I was doing, but it, it was brand new. So I immersed myself in every single podcast and TV show that are possibly good and, and try to learn as much as I can from all different types of people. And, and what I remember the what was big over there, which they don't really do here is open houses. You might have seen them on TV shows, but basically it's when someone else often has a home for sale when you first start doing it. And what you can do in, in, in the States is you can literally just call up uh, that estate agent and just say, look, can I 
basically do an open house in your property where I let people over a two, three, four hour period come and see your home. So I remember the first open house I did, I literally I came up with a British afternoon tea theme because it is true in America, you can just have a British accent and they absolutely love you and they love everything British. And I went and knocked on every single person's door in the neighborhood and I invited them along to a British afternoon tea. Well, it went really well because literally everybody came. We had over 100 people to that open house. And the funny thing is we didn't actually sell that house that day, but I got everyone's details from that. And I ended up selling five properties just from doing that one open house. And then it kind of snowballed from there. I was really big into my social media, which the funny thing is, is our next podcast we're going to dive deeper into. But I was... Everything I did, I put on social media. Um, I was massive into listing videos. So it's a thing which is creeping in here. I know, John, you've been really successful with it. But I I, I often did some very creative listing videos as well. I remember during lockdown when Tiger King was massive. And we had a farm prop. I had long blonde hair at that point. And uh, yeah. I, I, I grew my tash and made myself look like Tiger King. And it was a farm. It was basically a, an old horse property. And I basically got a tiger and I did the Tiger King song. And I actually got over a million views on Facebook from that video. Yeah. And so it became viral. And I remember people coming to the, the house. They had no interest in buying the house. They actually wanted just to come along and see the guy who did the video. But once again, it got loads of people coming to it. We ended up selling the house for way more than probably what it was worth. And I got lots of business from it. So I was always doing listing videos, always putting myself out there. Mailers were really important for me as well. So I would consistently mail neighborhoods, but then also whenever I got a listing, I would mail the neighborhood. I would invite them along to the open house. And then afterwards, when I sold it, I'd send them all a mailer to say, we just sold this house for a neighborhood record, for example. Got Mm -hmm. a lot of business from that. Networking was a massive thing for me. I might, we're going to go into that in a different podcast as well, but that was a massive thing for me. And then also, they have a bit of a unique thing in the US where, um, where you can put everyone else's properties that are for sale. So every home, basically, you have like a Zoopla or a Right Move on your own website. So okay. what you can then do is you can do pay-per-click advertising and on Google get people to use your website rather than Rightmove and Zoopla, for example. So that was also very successful as well and then converting those leads. So, um, And then I did Facebook advertising as well. So we a lot of these things I'm really interested to see if some of these, some of these I know can't work, like the pay-per-click is a bit different, a completely different way of doing things there. But... I'm really intrigued yeah. from, you know, John and you, James, if we start with you, John, how, what have you done over the years to make yourself really successful? And especially in the last couple of years where you've had to kind of leave your, your estate agency and, and start off by yourself. Yeah, cool. So I don't think you'd be surprised actually the, the crossover now, especially with people in our world now with, it's very heavily influenced from the States and, Having been to the States a couple of times myself, you, know, you come back from that and you see what people are doing. You see you know, the engagement now with things like Selling Sunset and Million Dollar. Well, Selling Sunset is about the girls now. It's not really about the actual real estate side of it. But Million Dollar Listing is a really good one. And I think if you watch that, it, it gives you sort of an insight into the American system. And then you start to bring it over. And you mentioned the sort of open houses. We've started doing that now, myself and James. 
within our sort of organization, which we'll talk about maybe in another podcast further down the line. But we've got 30 guys with us now and girls mm-hmm. and, you know, we'll run an open house, but in a different way. So it's more not bringing the general public in to come and see the house, but more to bring the brokers along so they can come and see it. Yeah. So in the US, hope, if you've got yeah. a big listing, yeah. you'll do a broker open house where you invite all of the other agents yeah. and then you might do a house for the, for the public. So it sounds like you're doing what they would okay. call in the US a, a broker open house. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's worked really well. I mean, I've, I've had um, one really successful one in down in Wandsworth, which worked brilliantly. We had sort of about 10 or 12 guys and girls turn up for that. Um, and that was sold within a week from someone who came to see it and their buyers that they had over in Stressham. So it worked really well. But to go back to your original question, I think the the, the, trick, the diff, biggest difference, I suppose, with the US and UK um, is that you can tout for business. So when a property is on the market, if you have the data, you can go and try and contact that vendor. And if they're unhappy, as long as they're out of contract, they can switch to you. And even if they're not out of contract, you can still try and tout that business, which I understand in America is you'd lose your license. For. You, you'd lose your um, license if you got caught doing that. Yeah. 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 So here it's absolutely fair game. There's no problem with that at all. Um, so a real big part for me from the start was, was letter dropping and going out on I used to walk over 10 miles every week, handing out letters to people, putting them through their doors for everything that's on the market within, you know, a half mile to mile radius. Now, being in London, there's a lot, of, there's a lot on the market. I mean, if I put a Zoopla or Rightmove search in now in SW170NN, which is my, my postcode where I live, if I put in a quarter of a mile radius there, there's over 80 properties on the market within a quarter of a mile. So those, obviously, some of them are going to sell, some aren't. And so it's, that was really a real start for me. But I think you know, there's a lot of training and a lot of teaching for it. But the biggest you know, you know, problem for most people, not problem, but challenge for a lot of people when you're leaving a corporate agency where you're fed continual leads and the brand gives you that, that exposure is then how do you become successful in this big competition pond and you're the tiniest little fish ever? And I suppose that's the case of doing all of the different things that you can do. So social media, doing your letter dropping and prospecting, networking, but it's doing everything and doing it consistently. Because I think what yeah. a lot of people do is they'll do one thing. I spoke to a guy a couple of weeks ago, he called me up, um, another ESP guy, and he said um, he wasn't getting any joy with his letters. And I was like, well, how many did you send out? He said, like, I'll send out 400. I was like, great. So when was that? And he was like, oh, I just sent out those last week and I didn't get anyone calling back. I was like, well, yeah, you've got to give it time. You can't just expect it to happen. But, the, the, you know, the return on investment is super high. If you do get a call, then it's about how you're converting that. So I know there are people that send out lots of letters to different people who will get a call back and then won't convert that call because they don't know how to convert it from a call to an appraisal and then going through the door and then getting that appraisal and then converting that into a instruction. So, And I think that's where experience comes in. Because having done it for such a long time, you know the things to say and you know how to, let's say, not manipulate, probably the wrong word, but how to steer that conversation to your to the gain that you want from it um, and how to present properly and how to then conduct yourself on evaluation. All of those things come with experience. And of course, we'd help and try to help people within our organization to, to learn that as we go along. But I think that's that was for me was just a little snippet. There's lots of other things, but I think that one was for me was was great. I remember my very first instruction and I got the call and I was like, well, valuation, sorry. And I got the call. Someone called back and said, I've got your letter. I was like, great. And they said, oh, we got that four weeks ago, but we haven't managed to sell it. So we were wondering if you wanted to come around. And I was just so excited about going around, but also very nervous. But um, it snowballed <laughs> from there. 
Uh, which is weird because I'd been on thousands and thousands and thousands of appraisals. And that first one, because it means so much more to you because it's your own business. It, it was, yeah, it was nerve wracking. It was like, God, I've been doing this for over, you know, 15 years. Why am I worried about going to this appraisal? But you know, I got, I got was. a feeling when I do but my yeah, first was... one in this country, it's going to feel weird for me. Cause even though I've, as you say, <laughs> done God, hundreds of them, it will still feel yeah. weird. Cause I'll, cause obviously it's a completely different system. So you, you're, you're, and, yeah. and I'm, I'm so used to the American system. It's I'm going to have to, when you get really good at something, you don't have to think about it. It just comes natural. Whereas I'm going to be going in no. and having to think about stuff. So yeah, it's going to be interesting. So James, so uh, let's go into a bit more depth about your, your story. How, how you become so successful. Yeah. Well, I was, I was a bit sporadic at the start. So having, having worked at two big corporations, as John said, it was, it was easy. You just turn up, we just call landlords, bang, bang, bang. If you give me a thousand landlords to call, I'll call them all day long. But when it's running your own business, it's, lead generation, social media, networking, what do you do? So in all honesty, I was a bit sporadic. I was going door knocking, but not having leaflets, i.e. if they weren't in, they didn't know that I had called. I was meeting architects and developers, and that was good for relationships. But I guess when you start, it's you need to get a listing on. Um, I only started prospecting after about three months. So in hindsight, I wish that I kind of started sending up the letters from day one. So yeah, when it's running your own business, there's a lot more to kind of take on board, really. Um, but then, as John said, it's just doing the basics religiously. And now our network that we have, any new agency we're starting, it's like, j just do things religiously. Social media, let's get your letters out there. Um, I went door knocking as well. Some people don't like door knocking. I personally don't mind it. Uh, that, that has led to three uh, listings Yeah, at the start of my kind of business. So, I mean, I didn't mind door knocking. Um, yeah, so a bit sporadic at the start, but now it's just like doing the things religiously, networking, social media, sending out letters. When you get your first listing, it all snowballs from there. So what do we need to do to get that listing? Whether it's door knocking, whether it's sending out letters, whether it's through social media. When you get a listing, because we do the viewings ourselves, you get a lot of listings on the back of it. So what do we need to do to get a listing? Yeah, it's funny you talk about door knocking. That's something that I I did a lot of in the in yeah. the US and what's it like I mean are you just literally picking random doors and just picking a street so I, or are you being so, selective so I have to get in my leaflets done and I'm, I'm on Canva I'm not a graphic design guy at all for the first month I used to get frustrated doing all of these graphic design leaflet designs now I just pay someone to do that um yeah stick to your strengths i guess so once i once i eventually had my leaflets uh through the prospecting app that we have that tells the houses that are on the market so i used to go walk down the street any 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 for sale boards i go knock on that door um the actual listing came from knocking on the door where their for sale board was i knocked on the wrong door and that vendor she said well i'm selling my flat in a month's time coming in for, for a, uh, a market appraisal um yeah so it's a bit of, a bit of target approach but then some of the new agents now have just joined the network. They are printing out leaflets and then going around their local community to say, look, I'm here, a very experienced agent, just joined um, to introduce the uh, the local residents, really. Great. Uh, that's really good and a great thing for people to start doing. One thing that I'm always interested in is for men, it's a lot easier to door knock, I think, than, than women. That's one advantage that we, we do have. I don't think I'd feel comfortable with my wife just going around and knocking on doors, whereas we, we can get away with it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, if my wife went door knocking, she'd probably get a, a lot more business than I would. Yeah, so here's yeah. <laughs> very true. <laughs> 
So that's obviously just a little bit about our success. We're going to, you know, dive into you know, like social media and networking in the next couple of episodes, for example. But just on this one, it was a good one for us just to get to know each other and for people to get to know us. And so I thought what one thing that would be quite fun to talk about is is some of the mistakes that we've made in, in real estate as well. So I, I will kick off with this one because I think one of the things that I regret doing was not trying to go for more luxury real estate in the US. I I really enjoyed that side of it. And I watch all the shows and I think I wish I'd sold homes like that. But the problem I had is, is I didn't have experience in that in that area. So in hindsight, in America, we teams are massive. So here you either kind of join an estate agency or, for example, you know, like you guys with VXP, you're an individual agent a lot of the time. Um, teams look like they're going to start is, to become a big is, thing. It is but... starting to grow, actually. There is um, people that are starting to do the team um, aspect of it, but it's very, very new. I know what you mean. Yeah. Well, is it, in the US, you you know, if you'd have watched like Million Dollar Listing LA, for example, there was two British guys. And I wish in hindsight, I'd have like messaged them early on and just said, look, can I come on and be your team? And effectively, it's like joining an estate agency in itself and learning from them um, and then doing doing high end real estate. So part of me wishes that I'd have done that. It's definitely what I want to do in, in this country. I personally prefer selling a house that I would absolutely love to live in than what mm. I would, you know, selling a house that I could never live in myself. I just, for me, it's really fun to be able to do that. And then I think that the big thing for me, which I highly advise, you know, every single person, pretty much any career, um, would be to get your work-life balance right. And I think that was one of the things that I really struggled with is, I was so determined to be really successful and so determined to be the best at, you know, best in my field that I worked too hard and I was a bit silly with the, the hours that I worked and probably should have delegated a bit more. And I remember mm-hmm. just I taking calls at 11 o'clock at night. I remember being in, you know, in, in, in a queue in Disneyland and, and jumping out of the queue to take calls and my wife being like, what are you doing? But the thing is, the commission's so big in the States, like you can often get... Yeah. You can often get like 5% selling a home because you can represent both sides. And if you're selling a $2 million Mm. home, it's a lot of money and you don't want the deal to fall through. So, but I still believe if you set boundaries early on with your clients and just say, just to let you know, I've got a family, I'm not going to be taking calls after seven o'clock at night, for example. Um, I I try, I try and, you know, I try and have Sundays off, you know, if it's an emergency contact Mm. me, but if not, most of the time it can wait till a Monday. And I wish I'd have done that. So I think that was probably my my biggest thing that I've learned, which I'm definitely going to be taking, um, you know, into, into the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you guys, James? What about you? Um, I guess mistakes when I'm constantly learning. Um, what's the best way to learn? It's just by making mistakes, learning from it. I think obviously my background was a lettings agent. Um, since I joined DXP, I guess I bought and sold my own stock previously but I was a new sales agent at EXP so I was quite naive I thought that once you agree and offer a great deal done I was very naive to the actual conveyancing um, and the hurdles the down valuations the home buyer survey so I'm learning a lot through the uh, through the conveyancing luckily I've got a very good property progressor she helps me along the way um, I guess you mentioned a bit about the kind of work-life balance I mean I guess I'm I'm choosing to work the hours that I do and I'm working very hard at the moment but then it's my choice. Um, the good thing about this is that you can do nothing if you want to, but then obviously if you want to do very well, do a lot of deals, it's entirely my choice. Um, I guess prime example is that on Saturday, I went to Twickenham 
to watch the rugby. Um, I normally work Saturdays because I choose to do that because I obviously get all of the fee myself. But then I didn't do viewings on a Saturday, but then I did do viewing on the Sunday. It's a flat uh, very close to here in South Croydon. That's now agreed. And then to me, that's £4,000. So I didn't mind choosing to do that because it was a £4,000 fee that I'm going to earn from yeah, doing the kind of viewing on the, on the Sunday. So mistakes, I guess I'm, yeah, I'm constantly learning. Um, yeah, because we've got such a good supportive network. I reach out to John. We've got yeah, 30 agents and growing in the network. So we're all learning from each other's mistakes, really. And I guess kind of helping each other to grow as well. All right, you, John. Yeah, I mean, I think just just touching on the point you were saying about the sort of the support from a from a team. You know, what we what we have now in in for some of myself and James and the other the other twenty eight people within it is almost like a collaborative team. We're not we don't everyone's themselves from their own employment, um, but it's good because you've got that support network. One of the things that I struggled with in the very beginning was not having any real support at all out there because I was one of the very first people, certainly in London, to really start doing this. Um, not that you know across the UK there was quite a lot and there was still support from the broker and stuff but really I felt like I was finding my own way and I think that's you know then James came along and I had someone else to bounce some ideas off but it's now gradually grown into something which is brilliant I think um one of the, the things it, for me was was um being a bit late on leverage so I used to do all my own progression I used to do all my own accounting I had an accountant who would do the the um the books at the end but I was keeping it all on a spreadsheet and it was taking forever. And I was just thinking all I want to do is just cut costs where I could so that I could basically have, have enough money to live with. And obviously I've got two kids and a, and a mortgage to pay. But but actually what you, what you realize is that there are certain things which, like James said about, you know, things that you're good at and things that you're not good at. And not necessarily not good at, but it's the time cost. That, so getting good leverage in place as early as, as early as possible is really, really good and really important to do. Um, and also, I think investing in things like networking, which um, has been absolutely brilliant for me, it's a big yeah. cost to start with, things like B&I, um, but also going to big events. Like I went to the States last year for two um, big EXP, EXP conferences, and it's a lot of money. Um, and there are a lot of people I know that are making far more money than I am who won't invest and won't go on these things because I just think it's a waste of money. It's really not. Um, it's worth every penny of it. And I think that's what a lot of people in UK are not very good at is investing in themselves whereas in America they do a lot, more, a lot better oh yeah like every if you when you work in real estate in the US anyone that is remotely successful has a real estate coach for example and I, I can't imagine yeah. there are many people that have them in this country that are working uh, in a, that, a normal estate is agency is that solely a real estate coach or is it like a life coach personal development no it's purely a purely coach. a real estate coach so okay. so the, the reason why I, I actually joined EXP was there was a guy who I listened to on a podcast. There's a really, really yeah. good podcast. Like, um, I forgot what it's called now, like Super Agents or something, right? And, and I listened to yeah. it every week and and he was on it one week. And I was like, I absolutely love this guy. He's exactly the type of agent that I want to be. So yeah. I then you know reached out to him, started following him on social media. And then I paid for a really fancy like website company out there that has a CRM yeah. website. All the listings come through, which I talked about earlier. And he was he I, I joined I joined them because he said that they were good to go with. I then went mm -hmm. to a conference, which John talks about, which had about hundred agents there. You learn a ridiculous amount from everyone else that's there. And he was one of the guest speakers, and so I went and spoke to him uh, and said, "Can I pay for you to be my real estate coach?" and yeah, I when I first started was I spent a thousand 
dollars a month for him to mm-hmm. teach me and for him to coach me. And then the funny thing is, is he was he had he was with a different um, we call brokerage over there. He then moved to EXP, and then his business model completely changed because. We'll chat about EXP more, whatever. But then he got to the point where he could offer coaching for free, and so uh, he continued, you know, and still continues to be my, you know, my coach when I need to. And he's built a whole real estate coaching company. So in in the US, people will often spend between you know three hundred to a thousand dollars a month, and they'll help them for like all different types of things. Like obviously, there's different stages of real estate. There's the trying to get the business so that you know the marketing and then and then the, and the prospecting you've got to try yeah. and get the business and then you've got to try and convert the business and then you've got to try and close the business and then once you're really good at that and you start doing loads of deals which you know can make you very wealthy especially mm-hmm. in the US but you're working 100 hours a week if you're closing all those deals. So the next step, which he really helped me with, was trying to you know, build, build a successful team. I made big mm-hmm. mistakes in the US of, I think, hiring the wrong people at the wrong time. I tried to um, start a team very quickly. And yeah. I took on some agents that um, needed a lot of hand-holding. And I wasn't that experienced to actually... I was experienced in business, but I wasn't too, you know, that experienced to hold their hand. And I spent more yeah. time trying to help them close one deal when I probably could have closed five deals myself in that time. And mm-hmm. I, I, I'm trying to think of all the mistakes I made. I, I would only employ people that I liked and who were like me. And that was a big thing. And so um, they call them disc Quite hard profiles. To find someone like you, James. <laughs> <laughs> They've been looking for a long time. No, um, in England think, yeah. it is. In, in yeah. America, it's completely different. Yeah. There's a lot. That's why yeah. I got on very well with Americans, because they're loud and outspoken, I, like me. <laughs> I think you raised. I think you raised mm-hmm. a very valid point there about the the training and the support. Um, whether it's EXP or another brokerage that you join, I think people sometimes don't really consider the support that you're going to receive. Yeah. One, it's the brokerage. What's right for you. Secondly, some people naively decide not thinking about the support, the network, the ongoing support. And I know that we'll probably talk about that in different podcasts, but that's a very vital point about the ongoing training and support that your that your sponsor yeah. can offer you as well. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing yep. that, you know, James and I, and certainly, you know, just across the, the network of people that have got so many different yep. skill sets and um, abilities. You know, you were talking about Cam before I posted something up on our group and the lady, one of the ladies that are in there, she's, she's only just started only about, you know, a couple of months in as being a broker, but she sorted out something for me within a 30 minute or no, 30 seconds. It took me yeah. hours. Um, you're going about the training. I went to go, when I went to the States, I went to see a guy called John Sheplak there. He was, uh, he charges $2,000 for a 20 minute call. And we got to sit in a room with him for an hour and a half. And I came out with so much energy and, um, and things that really have helped me to implement, implement within it, but I can't afford two grand for a 20 minute call. Um, but it's, um, but, you know, his, his subscriptions are like 20, $30,000 or dollars a year to just to, just to have, a, you know, access to this guy, but I'm sure he creates great results. And I think that's an ongoing thing that you can kind of mm. see where we can, and that's I think we're sort of value offering that we we offer to, to to brokers and people that want to come and be part of our organisation is is that sort of mentorship I suppose and and assistance to the downline of people that we that we work with. 
So make sure you check out our next podcast. We're going to be talking about social media and networking. And we're literally just going to do them straight after this one. So if anyone listens to this podcast, they can listen to two others straight away. And so, guys, just to remind us, how will we get in contact with you guys? Uh, yeah, for myself, probably the main one, Instagram, James Hughes Property. You're active on LinkedIn. The normal WhatsApp phone number, I guess my details will be there. But yeah, James Hughes Property is my Instagram page. And you, John? Yeah, if you, uh, if you Google Jonathan Woods, I should hopefully come up with quite a few different places to get hold of me. I am the London agent, which is the underscore London underscore agent on Instagram. And also I'm on LinkedIn as well as Jonathan. You'll see my name is Jonathan Woods. You'll see these two guys calling me John. Um, it's kind of a, a, a term. Well, my name was John when I was at school and it changed to Jonathan, which is my full name. Um, quite well, when I started trading, I just felt like it was time to use my full name. So bit more professional yeah I, I was jim in school but we were not gonna we won't call me jim or jimmy i'll be, I'll be jay let's not bring up school stories yeah no <laughs> so what we're also going to do is obviously we're going to follow my journey as well brand new to real estate here in the uk so john and james are gonna are gonna help me with that i'll just give you an idea of where i'm at at the moment as well I've been working on my, my Facebook pages, my Instagram pages, getting them all set up, my website, getting them set up. Talking about the mailers, we, we've mentioned them. So this weekend, I I don't know how many I've done. It's probably about 100 or something to begin with. I, I've actually I've been quite personal with them as well. I've gone into a lot of detail and I've actually looked at the actual listings. We'll see if it's a complete waste of time or not. But I've actually gone on to you know, the actual properties online and if i think like the photos aren't good or they need a video i've actually written that and then i've got my wife to hand write on all the envelopes the addresses and stuff so that's what i've started to do so every week we'll we'll see how i get on and follow my journey as well and, and john and james can give me some advice on what works and what doesn't so that should be quite interesting to see how i get on and hopefully it will inspire other people to you know, if they're working for an estate agents to, you know, go by themselves and, and actually start their own business. And I know that Jonathan and James, they'll talk about it more in other podcasts, but you guys, you know, are much happier with your, you know, work life balance than what you were before, but also financially you're doing a lot better. So we'll go into more depth on that. Uh, make sure you follow the podcast, make sure you give us a review. And if you would like us to cover any topics, make sure you reach out to us. And we are always looking for other guests to come on the podcast as well. So thanks for coming on, guys. And uh, looking forward to doing the next two podcasts with you guys as well. Thanks a lot, James. And James. See you later. <laughs> Have a good one. Yeah.